My name is Tito. I'm the associate pastor here. If I haven't met you, I will find you and I'll meet you soon, I promise. But I'm so glad to be here with you this morning to gather as we worship Jesus. And it's so beautiful. Even though it's windy, it's so nice to be here together. So a couple of things I want to go over really quick before I get started. Um, Just some housekeeping type of items. Um, Just want to go over so that we're all up to date. So first of all, if you have your phones, just go ahead and put them on silent as we go through this. And if you have your your app, go ahead and open that up so you can take notes alongside of the message as I'm giving a little bit of the message. If you don't have the app, go ahead and go to the App Store. Look up New Life CC. New Life is separate CC. And go ahead and download it. And that's where you'll be able to get some of the information, our message notes, and all the other things so that you can basically stay up to date with what's happening here at our church, okay? All right. Another tool we have is our texting um, um, thing we have. We have P-Updates. So if you want any information about or you want to stay up to date through text, you can text 3050 and text Pup, pup date or P update. I always think of pup date, but go ahead and put that in there. You get any information you need. If you need any prayers, you know, we really want to come alongside of our church family as we pray for the circumstances and the situations that you're walking through. And the only way we know about it is if you share it with us. And we really put time aside every week to go over these so that we can pray over them. So go ahead and text prayers. And also, this is a new feature. We've had a lot of good traction with some of our families stepping into volunteering and, and helping out and being a part of what church family is here. And it's really what we need. So if you're interested in serving on the team, go ahead and text TEAM to 30500 and we'll get you plugged in. You get a call from me and we'll get you plugged in. We'll get you going, okay? Uh, let's see. Uh, one thing, another thing on, on that is that we love to celebrate our heroes, And heroes are those that are stepping in to serving and being a part of what's happening here. And there's a thing, there's a lot of things that we need help with. And so what we have right here is just a little snapshot of some of the areas of service in which you can be a part of, you can help out. I mean, we got kids ministry, we got student ministry, we have coffee. I mean, we have so many different areas that you can step into where if you wanted to kind of just come in and not be seen, we have a spot for you there. It's way in the back behind the computer, pressing the button, getting it going. Nobody sees you. So we have a spot for everybody. So I encourage you to check it out and see if you can jump on one of those teams, okay? All right. Giving. Thank you so much for your generosity. It is what it takes to get what we have here every Sunday going. And not just on Sunday, but what happens midweek and the connections that we have with students and young adults and adults alike that, you know, Pastor Jeremy, Anna, and I, we're here every day of the week and we get to spend time with a lot of you. So thank you for your generosity in this. If this is your first time, this is not for you. This is for those that are invested into new life, those that are walking side by side with us in ministry, okay? So there's four ways to give. You can go ahead and text, give. Uh, you can go ahead and drop it in the boxes. We have something on your way out. You can mail it into, and you can go onto our website as well. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, okay? And if you're a guest with us this morning, we have a gift for you. As you're walking out, there's a table to the left. We have some coffee mugs that are there. They're really cool. They're so cool that I don't even have one, and I've been on staff over 10 years, and I want one, but Jeremy's like, nope, for anybody that's new. So I'm like, all right, I'll keep my hands off it. But please, if it's your first time, grab this. It's a special gift we have for you, and just want to say thank you for being here. And that's, gift, that's a gift for us to you. And also, if you are a guest with us and you don't have a home church, we want to say welcome home. Right on. Thank you. All right, so before I get started, I just want to just slow it down just a little bit more and kind of give you an update to what has been happening with our project, Happy Hearts. If you remember a couple of weeks, months ago, we were getting donations and we were getting things going for Maria, who was heading up Happy Hearts, and it happened. 
And so I've invited Maria to come up and share a little bit with us. So let's just welcome her up here. All right, thank you. Right on, girl. All right, I, I gotta tell you that that's our junior high group right there. Isn't that pretty cool? Oh man, that's not even including high school. A couple. God's doing something so so good in there, and I could probably sit here and smile all day and just talk to you about it. It's so cool. So, um, thank you, Maria. That's really good. So, okay, let's just jump right in, okay? I want to jump right in and get started and kind of just tell you what the title of this message is. And so it's titled, Jesus Went to Tito. No? Well, how about Maribel? Jesus went to Maribel? I think so, right? Or Olivia right there, my friend. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's actually called Jesus Went to the Outsider is what this is titled. And so let me just start off by just asking you, how many of you have ever felt like an outsider? Right. Or better yet, here's a better question. When's the last time you felt like an outsider, right? Truth is, see, we've all dealt with this at some part, point in our lives. We've all been a new kid in a class. We've all started a new program and kind of maybe worked in or, you know, a new school, something, a sport. Or maybe you've come to a new church for the first time. And you feel like an outsider. Well, here's the thing. Believe it or not, this reminded me of my first time coming to New Life 15 years ago. Moved to Turlock, wanted to find a place to go to church. My mom and dad always put it in me to find a place to go to church. I would get that call on Sunday. Mijo, did you go to, go to church? Like, yes, yes. And we found a church. So we were shopping for churches. And we found ourselves coming to New Life. And I walked in in Turlock. And it's a big church, a lot of people. And I walked in and I felt like an outsider because not a lot of people looked like me, didn't dress like me. I don't know if they started thinking like they thought like me. And then on top of that, I added on my own baggage, the stuff that I was bringing to the situation, known chips on my shoulder that may have an influence on how I was walking in that determined how I was going to be. I had my own stuff. I knew I wasn't necessarily living right, kind of looking for a reason almost, you know. But see, something happened. We left, and we kept looking, but we came back to the new life. And the children's ministry is really what we gravitated towards. I mean, my kids, my son's 19, he's going to be 20, and he started off through all of those, those classes in the, from the infants all the way up to high school. They loved on us in a way that we felt received, and we stayed. 
And so I had to make an effort to get plugged in. My dad was always like, hey, son, do something, serve, do something. Where? I was like, I don't know, wherever there's a need. And so I'm sitting there on a Wednesday because we had an Awana ministry there. I don't know if you're familiar with Awana, but it's a kid's ministry. And I didn't want to drop my kids off to have to go drive back home to come drive back to pick them up. I want to save some gas and time or whatever. So I said, this is a good, convenient time for me to serve. So, hey, do you guys need any help? And he says, yeah. Do you want to go and serve with your son? I'm like, nope. No. I just, wherever there's a need. And he says, okay, we have a spot for you. And that's where they partnered me with my first connect in ministry, which is a kid named Micah who was in fifth grade who was a special needs student. And it took off from there. I never looked back, and here I am. 15 years later, it became a place to belong. But see, some of us here think that because of our past being so bad or our hurt is so deep, we think that God doesn't want anything to do with us. We think that we are just not good enough. See, and if that's you, I hope this message encourages you. Because you need to know that you mean so much more to God than you realize and that you're special to him and that you're a treasure and that he values you. He calls you his That's how he sees you. See, these past couple of weeks, we've journeyed with Jesus as he went to the desert. And we journeyed with him as he went to the wedding. So this morning, let's journey with Jesus as he goes to the outsider. So go ahead. If you have your Bible or your app or whatever, go ahead and open up your Bible. We're going to look in the book of Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament. Go ahead and find chapter 19. We're going to look into verses 1 and 10. If you have that, hold your spot, save it. We're going to get back to it in a minute, okay? This morning, we're going to see for ourselves a very special encounter Jesus had with an outsider. You see, Jesus loved to have encounters with the outsider. If we were to go and handpick through the Bible every instance in which he talked to an outsider, we would spend a lot more than an hour here. We would be talking for a little bit about what he's done. And Jesus' mission from the very beginning was to go to the outsider, who were the ones that needed him most. And guess what, church? It's our mission today to go to the outsiders. That's our mission. But I don't know. Let's keep it real. It's hard to connect with people that are different from us, right? It's a challenge. Especially nowadays, it seems like it's safer to keep your circle small these days. Tensions are high. Our guard is up because trust has been broken So we begin to live by the Godfather motto, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer, which means you have to pay attention to what they're doing. You're over there looking, you're checking this and that. It consumes you. It takes all of your energy, and it's like a poison to you. And although I would agree that there are some people that at face value, they're just no good. I would agree that they're out there. I also know that God has called me to love first and that he has a plan and purpose for everyone, not just the people that I think are worthy, for everyone. I can't pick and choose. Okay, so I want to spend a little time in, in giving you some background to the story, give you some context. See, it's a story about this guy Zacchaeus and his encounter with Jesus. But the thing about this guy Zacchaeus is that he's one of those people that at face value is just no good. See, he's a tax collector. Now, that might not sound like a big deal to us nowadays. But see, during that time of the story, 
who was written by Luke, by the way. A little side note. This guy, Luke, was like a doctor, physician. He wrote meticulous notes. He interviewed. He talked to people. He documented. I mean, what you're reading in the book of Luke and Acts, you can almost, and it backs with history, it's legit. Okay, so this guy Luke writes this. During the time of the story, the Roman Empire was in rule and, and, and established a puppet government in Jerusalem and really the whole region. And the Jewish people, they had to pay taxes to Rome. So the Romans hired Jewish men to be their tax collectors. See, these Jewish men were taking money from their Jewish brothers and sisters. They were taking it. On top of that, see, the Romans didn't pay them any wages. They didn't, have, they didn't work for an hourly wage. So they had to raise taxes on their own people so they could take a chip off the top so they can support themselves. And so that meant that they could regulate whatever they want. And so they were very rich people. And the people did not like them because of what they were doing. So the tax collectors were despised by the Jewish people and were considered the bottom of the barrel in society. Or you could just say they were the worst of sinners. In their eyes, they were the people that were furthest from God. They were the ones saying, there is no hope from them. They're going to hell. Leave them alone. In their eyes, they are the bottom of the barrel. And to sweeten this up some more, this guy Zacchaeus, this guy was a chief tax collector which meant he was the boss. And so the boss got the double dip. He was taken from the people, and he was taken from his workers on top of that. So this dude had some money. He had a lot of money. So you got to understand, if anybody is an outsider in this story, it's this dude Zacchaeus. Nobody liked him. I mean, imagine what they would say about this guy behind his back when he walked in the room, right? You think anyone was inviting him over or wanting to hang out with him? Probably not. Let's be real. Would you invite him over? Would you want to hang out with somebody like that? It's something that we would avoid. Well, let's read how Jesus responds to this tax collector named Zacchaeus. So go ahead and open up your Bible, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it reads, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a good look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come, quick, get down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. It's powerful. And as I was reading through this, something stuck out to me. In verse 3, it's where it says Zacchaeus tried to get a good look, but he couldn't see over the crowd. And I'm thinking like a parade. You ever been in a parade and you can't see, right? He couldn't see because of the crowd. And I know he wanted to see him because, you know, you can read from silence that Zacchaeus, he definitely has heard 
about this man, Jesus, who at the time many were saying was the Messiah or the promised deliverer of this Jewish nation. Now, you got to remember, they were an oppressed people. The Roman Empire was oppressing them, and, and everything was going to this guy, Caesar. But see, all the Jews, they would have been brought up and taught about the arrival of this Messiah that is going to save them from their oppressors. They're thinking the physical saving, that they're going to push the Roman Empire out of the way. And they're celebrating Jesus, so they're crowding around this Messiah. So I know Zacchaeus had heard about who the Messiah was. And also, one of his best employees jumped ship to walk with Jesus and become one of his students. Matthew was a tax collector that had an encounter with Jesus at work. And he literally walked off the job to be with Jesus. I mean, he dropped everything, including his livelihood. Think about that. I don't know about you, but for me, some of the things I hold on closest are those, those things, my livelihood. How do, I, how do I survive? But here goes Matthew, and he drops everything. And here's the catch, right? Here's the cool thing, is that Matthew ended up becoming one of Jesus' best friends and walked with him for three years and taught him everything he knew. Oh, my gosh. One of his best friends. So I could imagine that Zacchaeus was very curious to see who this man was. But he couldn't get a good view of him because he was short, but mainly because of the crowd. You see, all through the Gospels, you hear about the crowds following after Jesus. And many times you read about people that need him most, but they're cut off because of the crowds. I mean, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus was teaching in a house and people were crowding around the house. You could not get to the front of the house. And there was people that needed healing there. And so a couple of friends had a, a great idea. They said, hey, you know what? Let's go on top of the roof. Let's dig a hole in the roof and let's lower our friend in. And they did it so that his friend can be healed. He, they went through whatever they had to do to have an encounter with Jesus. And this got me thinking. And I, think it's, I believe it's something that we need to be careful of as a growing church. It got me thinking about how many times church people tend to crowd around and, and impede people from seeing who Jesus really is. We gather and crowd around for the wrong reasons, and we get set in our ways and don't budge, thinking this is how it should be and how it should stay. And we end up becoming exclusive instead of inclusive, and we end up pushing people away. But see, here's the thing. We want to crowd around Jesus. We want to be drawn to him. We want to have our friends and family come and gather around Jesus. But here's the thing. We have to always make room for more. We have to get out of the way so we can bring in our brothers and sisters because we want to have that crowd. So I asked myself this morning, and I ask us, are we as a church doing everything we can possible for people to see Jesus, or are we just crowding around him? Now, I really, hear my heart, I really believe that we do a great job here. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I, I can see the, the organic growth of what God's doing here in this. I really believe we're doing a good job, but it just struck me as a cautionary tale for us here collectively as a church family to take heart to. We have to know these things. Okay. So here we have Zacchaeus trying to get a good look at Jesus, but he's too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead because he knew where Jesus would walk past, and he climbed up a tree to get a better look. Now, I visualize this short guy who probably had very low self-esteem with a chip on his shoulder, possibly because of hurt from the past. Now, I'm sure this dude 
got back at a lot of the people that were talking mess at him by raising their taxes. I'm sure of it. I mean, how else could he do it? So he, he found a way to get back at them. And here he is climbing up a tree just to get a glance at Jesus. Now, I'm sure he felt like an outcast already. But now he's literally going out on a limb to see Jesus. He's climbing a tree. Because Zacchaeus sought Jesus so intensely. See, he didn't mind doing something that many thought was beneath the dignity of a grown, wealthy man. He climbed a tree. And climbing a tree was okay with him, I think. Maybe he didn't want to get noticed. See, everyone was there wanting to get to him. And they were looking out, but he climbed up a tree. And I'm thinking, maybe he just wanted to be on the sidelines a little bit. He didn't want to be noticed. And he was okay with that. He wasn't interested in getting to Jesus. He wanted to see him. He was just curious. Now, I really wonder what Zacchaeus' motivation was to see Jesus. I wonder why he wanted to go, but he hesitated. Why did he climb that tree? Why didn't he continue going? Maybe he felt like he wasn't worthy of being part of what Jesus was doing in and around the community. I mean, he knew that what he was doing was wrong, right? I mean, he knew he was robbing from his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. Or maybe it's because he heard that Jesus accepted people like him. Maybe he was hearing about what God was doing to the sinners, and he was sitting down and eating with them, and he wasn't rebuking them. He was hanging out with them. And maybe the buzz got out about that, and he's like, maybe I have a chance. And so he came, and he looked. So I ask you, what's your motivation to see Jesus? Do you feel some sort of way that's keeping you from moving forward in your relationship with him? Is something roadblocking you? Maybe you're here this morning because you hear about what God is doing all around you and you want to see what he's all about. But maybe you feel that Jesus won't accept someone like you. And if that's you, I'm here to tell you you're wrong. You're wrong. Because the truth is he accepts people like us. Us. We're all his children the same. And he loves and he receives us the same. See, here's the cool thing is that he's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for you to be your A game all the time. He doesn't need that. He is just looking for us to show up and give it a shot. That's all. Show up and give it a shot. And when we step in obedience and follow after him, he rejoices in us. Just like any good dad would be proud of their kids stepping out of their comfort zone and giving a new sport or activity a shot. He's proud of us. He rejoices in us. And when we step out in obedience and look for Jesus, better hold on because the unexpected begins to happen. He starts moving in and through your life. Let's look at verse 5. It says, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now remember, Zacchaeus was not trying to be noticed. He was trying to be on the, back, on, the, on the sidelines. He just wanted to see Jesus. But see, here's the beauty in this. And I want you to kind of just try to just, um, just see this. Here's the beauty. Is that even though he wasn't trying to be noticed, Jesus noticed him and knew exactly where he was at. Did you hear that? Even though he didn't want to be noticed, Jesus knew where he was at. And he went to him. And just like Z then, I call Zacchaeus Z sometimes because it's a little bit of a name. 
Just like Zacchaeus then, Jesus knows where you're at right now. Whatever issue, circumstance, problem, whatever, it is not too much for him to not know what's happening. See, Jesus knows where you are now mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Nothing is caught him by surprise. He knows right where you're at. Don't think he doesn't. Don't think you're coming and not being noticed. He notices you. So put this down for point number one. Jesus knows right where I'm at. And he's telling us to get out of our tree, to quit hiding and trying not to be noticed. He's saying, I know where you are, and I'm okay with that. I just want you. You see, some of us try to hide from Jesus because of our past or our hurt, or I don't know, you fill in the blank. But friends, we don't have to. Remember, he's been to the desert before. He knows what it's like to be us. He's been there. One of my favorite quotes is from C.S. Lewis, and it goes like this. He says, God doesn't want something from us. He just wants us. How many times have I made things more difficult in my life because I'm trying to, I think too much or whatever, and it's like, no, it's so simple. He just wants us. He wants us right where we are right now. And so Zacchaeus responds, and he jumps out of the tree. Let's read that, verses 6 and 7. See, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. I read this, and I really believe haters are always going to hate. I mean, here you are right here, okay? It doesn't make sense. The people who are crowding to celebrate the arrival of the Messiah, the one that's going to come save everyone, they're upset and mad because the Savior saved someone. And I'm reading, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how is that happening? And it reminded me of our Celebrate Recovery Ministries that we have. And one thing I love about Celebrate Recovery is chip night. If you're not familiar, anybody familiar with Celebrate Recovery in here? Okay. It's a very, very powerful ministry. Okay. And the last Monday of the month, we celebrate um, periods of sobriety by handing out chips. So it's, it's, it's very similar to AA and NA. Okay. But Jesus is a higher power in that. And what I love about it is that when they are receiving their chips, we get to hear their story and how God has or is beginning to move in them and beginning to pull them out of the pig pen of sin that they were living in. In fact, by celebrating them after they share, it's like we are going back to the same pig pen that we were saved from and reaching in and helping them get out of theirs so that we can continue moving forward towards the kingdom. Guys, you can't be mad at who God saves, right? We have to go along with it. And, and that is such a beautiful example for me that I see when these people share what God is doing in and through them. We can't be mad when God moves in a way that we don't expect him to. I had a friend in a, in a park ministry that I did before I have been on uh, staff at New Life. So this is probably, I don't know, 12 years ago. Uh, my wife and I were part of a park ministry called Turlock Salt, where we would team up with another family. And we would go into the parks in Turlock and take food. Breakfast on Saturdays, and we'd hang out with them and, and spend time. We'd do a little devotion, and the hope was to plant seeds of the gospel so that they can grow closer to God. And most of the folks were receptive of it. However, some people just came because they just wanted the food, right, and to go. And there was this one guy named Kevin that came, and he was one of those guys that I saw. I was like, man, this guy is just going to come. We're just going to feed him. That's it. He scares me. 
Matter of fact, my wife echoed that. She goes, yeah, he scares me. <laughs> so we kept our distance and we did our thing, but something started happening. He started hanging around more. He started wanting to be a part of what's happening in our Bible study. He started coming and helping us on little projects that we were doing at the house and this and that. And then he finally said, he goes, I just need to get away from the streets. I just need to be around people that are doing good things. And I saw this movement in his life just happen from the inside out. And I had a front row seat to it, to where God started moving in a way that he started becoming a functioning part of ministry to helping others out there in the streets that are homeless as well. And this man right now is living sober. He's living clean. He's one of my best friends. And I trust him with my wife and my kids. And God's done something good to him. That's God moving from the inside out right there. See, our hope to see Jesus can be turned to hope in Jesus because he knows your name and he knows who you are. That's simple. He understands you and he gets you. He knows what you're capable of and he knows where you fall short. He knows that. Nothing about you is a surprise to him or turns him off to you. And yet, Jesus steps in close and personal. Remember, see, Jesus didn't ask. He told Zacchaeus he must be a guest in his house. He didn't ask. And in that same way, he wants to enter into your house, your heart. And when he enters in, it's not in this disruptive, harsh way. He will do it with kindness and grace. He wants to come into your heart. He wants to come into your space. So write that for number two. Jesus steps into my personal space. I wonder what Zacchaeus felt when Jesus looked around in his house when they were sitting there and saw all the wealth that he had accumulated. I mean, he was initially excited that he was coming to his house, right? He jumped down the tree with joy. But I wonder if that excitement gave way to dread. I mean, right? Looking around like, oof. See, most of us, if Jesus wanted to come over, would say, Time out, hold up, hang on. I got to go clean up, wash the dishes. I'm going to close this door because I don't want you to see what's happening there. I know, don't say you don't have a junk drawer. Close that junk drawer. I don't want you to see what's happening. We would take care of the house first, right? I know I would. I do it all the time, closing my bedroom door, my space. I don't want anybody there, okay? See, we're kind of embarrassed because of what someone else would see. We worry about that. But see, Jesus, when he comes into your heart, he walks into your shame. He walks into your sin. He walks into all the disarray of our souls, not to bring condemnation, though. He's not doing it to cast judgment on you. No, he's doing it because he wants to bring healing and he wants to bring wholeness to you so that you can do what he's called you to do, your plan and purpose in life. That's what he's called you to do. And the thing that prevents us from having a relationship with Jesus is this. It's us. It's ourselves. We hold ourselves back because we reject the forgiveness and grace of the Lord Jesus and we push them away. We sabotage ourselves. We stonewall ourselves. We reject what he has for us. It's not because he doesn't want to come to us. He notices us, remember? We reject that. That's the only thing that will prevent us from having a relationship with Jesus. So we need to get out of the way and stop thinking too much and let Jesus into our hearts. Let him into our homes, regardless of what's going on, because he will show up, and you know what? He'll invite you into something big. It's not for no reason. It's for a purpose. He wants to invite you in for a purpose, and it's usually your purpose in life. That's what he's calling us to do. 
So when Jesus came into Zacchaeus' house, it changed something in him. He finally saw himself through Jesus' eyes. See, he didn't see himself as what the people said he was any longer. He saw himself as a child of God and not a dishonest man that cheats his own people. His identity changed. It was different. God was doing something from the inside out. And when Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, it changed him. So right here, Luke chapter 19, verse 8, let's read that. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. This guy was all in. See, this is where Zacchaeus came to terms with who Jesus was and how he could begin, begin living for him despite the way that he was living before. See, he turned around completely from his old ways right there on the spot and received Jesus in his heart and moved differently from that point on. It was in that moment that his hope to see Jesus turned into hope in Jesus, right? So let's listen to Jesus' response after Zacchaeus told on himself right there. He goes this, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. See, Jesus knew that Zacchaeus had repented. Now, repented is a, is a church, churchy word, basically, which means that he was walking this way in his life, doing wrong, and he did a 180. Bam! Turned around and started walking this way in the ways that God's asking him to walk. He turned from his old ways and started living in the ways that God was calling him to live. That's called repentance right there. Since Zacchaeus also was so hated by his fellow Jews that probably often said that he wasn't a real Jew because of the life that he was living, Jesus also wanted everyone to know that Zacchaeus really was a son of Abraham, both genetics, by genetics, and by his faith, because he really joyfully received Jesus. He repented. See, Jesus brought him in by name. He was no longer an outsider, and Jesus wanted everyone to know it. You know, just like Zacchaeus, there are things in my past that if I think long enough and I start taking inventory and I start focusing on some of the behaviors and the things that I have in the past, you know, I can really make myself cringe. I've done it. I still do it. And if I spend too much time down that rabbit hole of guilt and shame and there, I begin to start having feelings like, you know, maybe I don't belong here. or Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm by myself. Maybe you guys are perfect, but... I struggle with that from times. But you know, here's the truth. We all struggle with that. We all are working through these things. We all have sin issues and always will. So we will never have it together. And that's okay. It's okay. And it's okay because Jesus is not afraid of our sin. It does not scare him. It doesn't push him away. It doesn't mean because you did this that he won't do that. No, he don't keep score like that. He doesn't. It's okay because Jesus is not afraid of our sins. So write this down for point number three. Jesus is calling me into something deeper. See, he's not okay with your sin, but he will actually use it to change someone's life and circumstances around you. You just need to go out on a limb and see what Jesus is doing 
all around you, and then join in on what Jesus is inviting you in to do. We just need to take that risk and go. He's calling you into something. And once we're in line with, Jesus, with God's will, he will begin moving in and through you right where you're at in the mainstream of life. It'll be this unforced rhythm of grace that God is moving in and through you to affect everybody that you're around. You don't have to do anything special. You just got to show up and let God move and work in and through you. For some of you, God's been calling you into something deeper. And something or Satan is saying you're not ready. But what the enemy doesn't want you to know is that Jesus uses sinners and he changes the world with sinners. He meets us right where we're at and he'll use us. That's why Jesus always went to the outsider. He went to the leper who was sick and nobody wanted to be around them or touch them. They were outcasts. He went to the widow who was left all by herself with no support. He went to the blind man that was sitting there begging for, for alms and asking for help, and the lame man that couldn't walk. He went to those people all through Scripture. That's why Jesus went to the outsiders, so that his glory can be shown in and through their lives, through the healing of their hearts. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 6 says this in the message translation. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into a celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Oh, man, that's so beautiful. See, God knows who you are, and he has designed you with a plan and purpose that adds to his wonderful masterpiece. See, you become useful to him in advancing his plan. You're not useless. You're useful. John 15, 16, and 17 says this. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. You see, Jesus went to the desert to be tempted so that we would know what it's like to be tempted. He went to the wedding to celebrate with people so we could know what it's like to be in fellowship and to see the miracle. And he went to the outsider that deserved nothing. Even though he would be ridiculed, he did it anyway. And guess what? You and I, we don't deserve that. But you know what? He's doing it anyway. No matter where you're at in your life, don't think for a second that God isn't paying attention, that he isn't noticing you. He sees you. He's aware of what's going on. He's grieving with you. He's hurting with you. He's loving you. He's present. See, Jesus invites us down our tree to join in on what he's doing. It's an invitation. He knows you by name and would love to have a deep and meaningful connection with you. See, it's not religion. It's not the rules that make you have to do something. No. This is a little bit more meaningful. Let's say a lot more. It's relationship, where relationships grow by time spent. With God, it's through prayer and reading your Bible and fellowship. Those are good ways to start. He wants connection with you. See, you have to understand that this isn't like a light switch 
that turns on instantly. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be trials. There's going to be people and voices inside that are going to try to cast doubt and confusion on you. They're going to hate on you when you make a decision to follow after Jesus. You might even feel like you're not doing it right. But I want you to know this this morning, that Jesus is here for you and that he wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to give you this list of to-dos, rules. He doesn't want to make you feel like you got to have to look over your shoulder. No, he just wants to spend time with you. He notices you. He sees you. And he isn't missing a step with you. And he just wants to invite you down off that tree to be a part of what he's doing. Guys, we can't hamstring ourselves. We can't hold us up. We need to get out of the way and let Jesus do what he asked for us, okay? Will you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day, God. I thank you for who you are and stories like this, God, that just make you real to us. That regardless of where we're at in life, whatever's going on in our hearts, Lord, whatever, even though we're not trying to be noticed, Lord, you notice us, you see us, and you love us regardless. So God, help us to step into that confidently, Lord, in your confidence, knowing that you have a plan and purpose for us and that you want us to be useful in your kingdom, God. So I thank you for stories like this where you go and you go to the outsider who needs you most, Lord. So we need you, Jesus, and we thank you in your name. Amen. (coughs) Guys, thank you so much for spending Sunday with us. I can't wait to see you next week. Pastor Jeremy will be here next week. So I love you. Have a good Sunday. Bye-bye. Thanks.